0: Much of the outdoor stuff. but welcome, welcome to a holiday weekend. Um, announcements, uh, nothing uh, nothing super uh, groundbreaking or new, just the same stuff we've been talking about. Uh, next week we have a combined service at Godfrey. that's at 10:30. Uh, we'll have a baptism during that. If you've not uh, followed Christ in baptism, if you've met Jesus and, and you want to make that, that step, you can talk to me about that. There's, there's still time, but we'll do that together. Related to that, I sent out to a lot of people in, in the congregation just a message. We had talked about, um, and uh, he, uh, he knew someone with the cottage, so he's not here, so we can talk about this. But my, my dad's not here uh, this weekend, but Jim Drake has, uh, has done much. For this congregation. In fact, if you look at anything that's been, been constructed over how many, uh, how many years, um, he's, he's either led that or done a lot of it single-handedly. Um, we thought it was appropriate in Nick's weekend service to, to honor him, so we're going to honor him. Uh, it's also his birthday weekend, so we'll probably have a cake. But if you wanted to, to write a note or that kind of thing uh, to share with him, uh, if he's touched your life, that would, be, that would be awesome. We just feel like that's appropriate to do. So uh, that'll happen next weekend um, towards the end of the service as well, as well. Big thing I want to mention is we have cards for the kickoff service. So not next week, but the week following that, we're kind of going to do our fall launch. We'll launch into a, into a three-week series. Um, That helps people kind of make sense of the new beginnings that autumn brings. Uh, We made cards for you to pass out. They're back there on the the coffee bar. I would encourage you to take, you know, maybe just a couple of them and, and give them to someone and invite them. Here's the reality. I, I grew up in, in, in church planting or came into church planting right at a time when you could still send out a 20,000-person mailer and get like a 10% response. 200 people might might show up from that. Uh, towards the end of when we ever did that, that was down to a 1% response, but it was still... Still so that we're moving to a place in America because of, a, uh, because of post-Christendom, because of all kinds of things. Most people are not going to respond to something mailed to their home. Uh, we could send them all kinds of mailers that said, it's church like you've never seen before. And they would be like, great, I'm, I'm glad. And, and the, the example I always use is, is sometimes we advertise church and it comes off to people who have no interest in church. Like if you advertise to me broccoli. Uh, sometimes people say, and this happens to me sometimes, because I say, I don't like broccoli. And they say, but have you had it with cheese? And the issue is, you can put whatever you want on that broccoli, it's still broccoli. And the way we've, in, we've tried to promote church over the last however many years was, it's church like you've never seen before. The reality is, most of the churches that they're familiar with are churches just like whatever we're advertising and they're about as attracted to church as I am to broccoli. So sending a mailing into their home, probably not going to work. But the one thing that still does work often is a personal invite. And so all these are is an ability for you to say to someone that you have a relationship, a friendship with, hey, would you like to come? We're starting a new series. It's kicking off in the fall. I have friends there. I think you'd like like it. Would you come? So that's, that's there to help you uh, do that. Is that all the announcements? That's what I... I think, so. Okay, we're going to do. See, the best thing about holiday weekends is that you're really not, like crazy stuff can happen. Because my wife knows that I can't pick that up. <laughs> hip, hip update. So I went to the doctor, and the doctor said he wasn't panicked, but he was worried. Uh, that I might have retorn my labrum, which is what I had surgery on. So if you're wondering why uh, I appear to be limping and in pain, uh, apparently I messed up my labrum. So anyways, to continue with what I was, I was going to say, we're going to do uh, the Lord's Prayer together, and then we'll, we'll dive into God's Word. So uh, pray with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus, we ask for you to meet with us now. We are happy to be together in this place, worshiping you. No place uh, we'd rather be Uh, We're thankful that we can gather together. Uh, May your word speak to us uh, clearly, and uh, uh, may you be clearly seen and receive the glory this morning. In your name, amen. We're finishing up a three-week series on mission. Uh, We called it Boots on the Ground. Next week, uh, we're just going to do a one-week message, and then after that, we'll launch into something new, uh, kind of for the fall. So but we're finishing up three weeks on mission. If you remember, if we go back three weeks, we began with this idea. And the idea was this, is that the, that the, 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 the burning center of mission or the, the, the impetus, the reason why we should want to be on mission um, doesn't begin first with the fact that people need Jesus, though they do, and uh, we're committed to that, but rather with the fact that Jesus deserves to be glorified, that Jesus to be, deserves to be worshipped, that God is great. And we talked about how when something is great to you, you speak of it. Um, and we used all the examples of, of those things that that if you think about it, if if you love something you speak of it. You speak of your wife, you speak of your children, you speak of your sports teams, you speak of your favorite uh, restaurant. And we speak of those things typically without shame because we, we have a we have a passion for them. And so the problem in our evangelism is not that we're shy. The problem in our evangelism is not that we um that that um that we're we um uh, and not any of those things it 's not shyness. The problem in in our evangelism largely is that our passion for for God and our passion for god 's greatness is not deep enough. And so if we want to grow in evangelism or grow in the sharing of the good news about Jesus, we need to grow further into Jesus. And, so, and then last week, we, we talked about what that would look like, what that message should look like, how we should, how we should speak that. Um, we talked about it being graceful, seasoned with salt, uh, how, that, how that message should, should be spoken. Uh, and then this week, we're going to go to Acts chapter 1. Verse 8, and I'll read to you what it says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You can't tell on the screen. But in, in a lot of our Bibles, those words are written in red. The reason they're written in red is to denote that it's Jesus speaking. And Jesus is speaking to a specific group of people. He's speaking to his, to his disciples, those who are, uh, who are to become his, his apostles, his emissaries, his, his, his church-expanding uh, church planters on earth. And he's, about, he's been crucified, he's been resurrected, he's about to ascend into heaven, and he's going to give them instructions. And so uh, some people debate uh, whether or not they would say, well, that was spoken directly to the apostles. I don't know how that applies to us. And so I would just make the theological Note here that I think though it is spoken directly to the apostles, though it is a charge given to the apostles that it is reflective of the very heart of God, and that if god 's idea is, is that that his followers in the in the in the first century would be his witnesses that we can take from that an example and that we should live that live that out that it should that we should also reflect uh, this truth and so I think for us, the Church of Jesus Christ as we look in going into the into the new year we look at those around us we look at those things we need to ask uh, uh, we need to to, to draw from, from this same sort of power and this this, this same idea uh, to be on mission so uh, verse 8 though begins but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That was a power, uh, I mean a promise from Jesus to his, to his disciples, a promise that there was, that the Holy Spirit would be sent. Christ would, would, would ascend into heaven, but he would send the Spirit, and the Spirit would be the, the empowering uh, factor in the church, that the, that the Spirit would give them the, the strength, that the, the Spirit would give them the, the wisdom, that the Spirit would give them the tools that they needed to share Jesus, with, with others. It was a promise from, uh, from Jesus to the apostles, and yeah, I would suggest to you that the, the Spirit is no less interested... In people coming to Jesus, the Spirit is no less interested in, in, in the worship of the Son and the worship of the Father and the worship of God than he was in the first century. And so I would suggest to you that if the Spirit was going to come on the apostles, that the same Spirit who empowered the apostles for mission is the Spirit who empowers us for mission as well. And so some of us, in fact most of us uh, looking at the room, we are either from Baptist backgrounds or Reformed backgrounds. I always tease having grown up in a Baptist background that we believed in the Trinity but we only spoke of a duology, right? We spoke of the, the Father and the Son and we had no idea what to do with the Spirit, so for most of us when we start to talk about the spirit we don't know exactly how that fits in large parts of my large parts of my youth growing up in a in a Baptist church large parts of it were were theology based largely on responding to fear of becoming like various charismatic Groups and so, uh, so in in the churches I grew up in, we had certain passages that we liked to argue over. Those argument passages, largely though, were passages that kept us from being like other groups. And so, when we speak of, of the spirit, especially in Baptist and Baptistic churches, uh, um, we we tread carefully, typically, and yet it is a fact. When it says, the, when, when the word says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, it is a fact that the Holy Spirit comes into the life of every believer upon salvation. It is a fact that the Holy Spirit is active in the life of the believer. We know elsewhere that the Spirit is active in conforming us to the image of the Son. We know things that the Spirit must do in the life of the believer. The Spirit convicts of sin. The Spirit does all of these things. And one of the things it says here that the Spirit does is empower them to live the life of mission, to be those who would speak the name of Jesus. And what I would suggest to us, uh, even if you, uh, if you come from a background where, where you're uncomfortable with it, that we might, that we might loosen the seatbelt that keeps us from getting too crazy in the Spirit just a little bit, so that we might receive the power that is given to us, that the, spirit, the power that the Spirit has for us, so that we might be on the mission that, that the Spirit has for us, so that we might do... What the Spirit has empowered us to do, and I would I would remind you that the Spirit uh, is is the the third member of the Trinity. He is very God of, of very God. He he is he is active in your life. You, if you sit here and you know Jesus, you would not be here save for the inner working of the Holy Spirit. God in the fa- in the in, in in The fact that he elects us, chooses to use the Spirit to call us, to confirm us, to grow us, to 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 point us towards Jesus. That is the role of the Spirit. But he also uses the Spirit to empower us for the life of mission which he's called us to. And so when it says that the apostles will receive power when he comes upon us, I, I believe that the same power that empowered the apostles is available to us uh, uh, in the church today. Inasmuch, it is true that the apostles were empowered in a special way to write scripture, to write things that, that, that become canon, to write things that become uh, inspired. We are, not, uh, we, are not, um, we are not being inspired to write new scripture, those sorts of things, but the, the, the spirit who empowers us for mission is the same spirit who inspired, who empowered the apostles for mission. So there is, I would encourage you to pray regularly that the spirit would lead you, that the spirit would empower you, that the spirit would motivate you, that the spirit would get you up, that the spirit would 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 give you the wisdom, and that you would be obedient to the leading of the spirit, so that when the spirit leads, you would speak the things that need to be spoken, that you would say what needs to be said that you would go to those who need to be gone to. You will receive power when the Spirit, Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then he says this, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of there. But I want to focus on, on witnesses. And you will be my witnesses. Again, Jesus speaking, we are his witnesses. The word witness is the word witness. Uh, Same root word that we get the word martyr from. Uh, And so the the reason why we get the word martyr from or the reason why martyr, when you hear the word martyr in our culture, it means one who was killed for his faith, those who are persecuted and die for, for their cause. The reason why is because... Jesus's witnesses, a lot of time, went about being his witnesses, and that witness resulted in suffering, resulted in pain, resulted sometimes in, in death, and so it is a, a very uh, serious thing that followers of Jesus are called to. But I I point that out simply to point out that at least in our country at this time, we do not receive any grand scale or major persecution. You can still speak of Jesus wherever you want to. You can say, talk about Jesus. You might receive a, a, a minor mockery. You might receive people who are annoyed with you. You might get that sort of thing, but we do not yet in this country Die for our, for our being witnesses. And yet the word witness from, the, from, from here, the, the word you will be my witnesses, that word comes to be so associated with death because the apostles whom Jesus is speaking to here, when they went forth to speak the word of truth, when they went forth to speak of Jesus, they often died for speaking that truth. We know this. For, uh, I think it's funny that... that um, that we speak of Thomas in the Bible as doubting Thomas. We know Thomas is the one who said... Well, I won't believe that Jesus has risen until I see the, the nail scars in his hands, and until, I, uh, until I see this. We think of him as doubting Thomas, but the reality is, is that Thomas is the first missionary to, to India, and he dies for his faith there. He's one of the first martyrs. And if you study the people who Jesus is speaking to here, most of them are eventually going to die for their, their faith. They die to south in that they go and speak of Jesus, and then they die literally for being killed for, for their faith. And so... I simply point that out to say that in America it is interesting that we can be witnesses without being martyrs a lot of times in the sense that we are not yet at the point where we are dying for our faith. I do hear Christians sometimes speak of the persecution we are now uh, receiving in America. I think that is a grand scale mockery of what people around the world are experiencing and, and, and a slight to what the apostles actually experienced. You can still be a witness without death in our country. And so, nonetheless, should that one day become not true, the calling is no less, the calling is no less a calling. We are called to be His witnesses. And it is, sometimes, I would point out then, costly to be a witness. It is not easy always to be a witness. It is not simple to be, there is a cost and that is part of the part of the problem with us. We are not receiving persecution. We all have delusions of coolness or delusions of acceptance or delusions of being liked. And so since we have those and because we haven't experienced anything that would make us truly choose between our marshmallow Christianity and the, the, the in, in a faith in Jesus that is deep and abiding, we shy away from being witnesses because we're afraid that someone will say something mean to us. We're afraid that people will think we are not. Cool. And so we do live in a generation, guys, where most of us are chasing. Coolness. Most of us are chasing acceptance. And part of the big problem in our Christian lives is the decision who are we going to follow and who are we going to associate? And what does acceptance mean for us? And so I I point all this out to say the way of Jesus is not always the simple way. The way of Jesus is not necessarily the way that is going to make you the coolest in your school. It's not necessarily the one that's going to make you the coolest in your job. It's not necessarily going the one that's going to make you most popular in any of those things. That you do, we don't receive persecution. But goodness sakes, we're not receiving persecution. We ought to be able to deal with the fact that that our stand for truth might occasionally make us unpopular. But the problem comes here. So he says, you will receive power, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. The problem is in the my, right? So we need to decide whose witnesses we need. To, we are to be. The calling here is to be Jesus witnesses. We're called to be his witnesses, the ones who speak for, for him. And so so point number one or idea number one from this is is we must decide whether we want to be witnesses for Jesus and whether it is worth enough. For us to be witnesses for Jesus. And sometimes that flies against the cultural influence, the 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 cultural pressures, what we get on the job, what we get at school, what we get in life, it flies against that. But having said that, should we decide that we want to be Jesus' witnesses, let's I think it's appropriate just to take a minute to talk about what it means to be a witness to to Jesus, right? What are we called to be a witness to? Called to be a witness to Jesus, he's speaking, you're going, to be, you're going to speak for me. You're going to tell people about me. The disciples were so committed to that idea that witness literally becomes associated with death for the cause of being a witness. So the question becomes, why and was it worth it? Right? So let's talk about that. What are we a witness to? We are a witness to this fact that the God of the universe created the planet and he created it good but men and women like you and I rebelled against it we chose not to follow it we chose not to do right we became enemies of God but the God of the universe in his goodness was not satisfied to leave us to our own destruction But rather, he sent his son. John 3.16, the most basic verse in in the world. They put it up at football games, right? John 3.16, it says this, For God to love the world that he gave his one and only son, so that anyone who believed in him would not perish but have everlasting life. There's a central gospel statement here, which is this, is that God was not satisfied to leave us to our sinfulness, to our brokenness, or to our death. But rather, he sent his son to rescue us, from our brokenness, to rescue us from our death and to restore us to him. There's, a, there's in, um, in one of the versions, there's a verse in, in 1 Peter that says that God sent Jesus to bring us safely home to God. What a beautiful translation. See, that's the heart of the gospel. And so what are we called to be a witness to? We're called to be a witness to Jesus. What did Jesus do? Jesus is the one who died so that we could have amazing untold unspeakable grace and what i want to remind you of for just a minute is that your message is 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 a beautiful beautiful message that what you get to speak of is a god who is graceful that a, a god who is good i can so if someone came to me and said dave you're a witness for this jesus why this is what i would tell them when i was four years old my mom was walking me my mom didn't drive so we walked places. And it's interesting because we found out only later that, that she, was, she was handicapped even then and her, 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 her lower body muscles didn't, didn't work well. But we would walk places slowly and we would talk. And I remember clearly walking home, I think from the elementary school, which was right next to where we lived. We were, we were walking home and I, I asked a question that a lot of little kids ask. right? And I simply asked this, Mom, if I died, What would happen to me? And my mom beautifully and wonderfully shared with me the basics of a gospel that said this. Well, if you died, you'd go and you'd be separated from God forever. But Jesus loved you enough to die for you. And Jesus went to a cross to take away your sins. And by the time we got home, convinced of that through the work of the Spirit, I knelt next to to my bed, and my mother led me to accept Jesus Christ. That happened when I was four, I'm 42, that means for 38 years I've known Jesus. I want to be honest with you, there are times when I have doubts about certain things that that I read. Sometimes there's things I read in the Bible, I go, that that happened, right? And I'm not, I I believe it to be 100% true, but I'm being transparent about the reality. Here's what I've never doubted, for 38 years I've known Jesus Christ. I've known him. And so sometimes I read about people, they're like, well I left the faith, I can't do it. And I go, don't you miss Jesus? How do you not miss him? See, I could walk away from a lot of things. There's days when you could walk away from the people in a church. I love you guys. I haven't felt this way recently, right? (laughs) But I've been here a while. And there's days when you're like, I'm just going to give up. I'm going to walk away. I'm tired of those people. I could walk away from the people. I can't walk away from Jesus. I know him, and I'm known by him. There are days that are hard and difficult. There's days I doubt everything, but I never doubt this. I know Jesus. I know that I know that I know. For me, what it says in Hebrews is true, that faith is the evidence of things not seen, the substance of things hoped for. I know him. I could walk away from so much. I could go into a lifestyle and do that. Some people give up Christianity over a choice for a lifestyle that they want to live and they walk away. And I've never understood this. I could walk away from a lot, but I can't walk away from Jesus any more than I can deny that my hand is in the air. Can I deny the fact that my breath comes through a Savior that I know? He is real to me. I know Him. He knows me. He's rescued me. I also know this. This is the truth of the gospel. There has not been a day in those 38 years where I have been sufficiently pleasing to this one who has rescued me. I haven't had a perfect day. I haven't had a day where I lacked sin. I haven't had a day where from a human sense you wouldn't look at it and say, Oh my goodness, he must be such a disappointment to his God. Yeah, that's me. Day after day after day, disappointment after disappointment after disappointment with fits of trying to be holy in between. And yet for 38 years, I have not yet arrived at anything that I would claim is pleasing to God. And yet, I'm convinced of this, he loves me. I'm convinced that when it says in Romans that those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of the son, I think that's true. I'm 38 years in and it's happening But it seems slow sometimes. That's why when I discovered that Ephesians 1.4 says that those whom God for, uh, that Ephesians 1.4 says that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Why am his witness? Because he loves me. And I don't deserve it. Every day teaches me something new about this. Every moment, why do I believe? I believe because He loves me. I believe because I have a wonderful family. I believe because even in the midst of struggle, He's there for me. This has honestly been the worst summer of my life. It's not been good, right? My mom passed away, it felt very suddenly. We had home struggles in in, in the midst of that. Lots of struggle at, at home in the middle. Then I had surgery. Then apparently I ruined that surgery. I've been through a lot. It has not been happy every moment, but I will tell you this, even in the midst of it, I know Jesus. Whose witness am I to be but his? I know him. I can't not know him. I'm a dad, so I know what it is to have children who disobey. I know what it is to have children who walk away. I know what it is some days to have children who would rather not be my children. But I am, adopted, I am an adopted child of the king, and I've looked at his adoption many days and said, Who are you? And day by day by day, he said, I am your father. By the power of the son, I know Jesus. I'm his witness. Why? And what are we witnesses to but this? My testimony, by the way, is not the gospel, but it is informed and controlled by the gospel, by this reality that God sent his son into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. I may wake up tomorrow and be confused about a lot of things, but this I know. I know Jesus. I know him. So when it comes time to be a witness to him, when it comes time to speak of him, when it comes time to tell of him, what will you say? Sometimes I meet people, they say, well, I don't think I believe anymore. I find that I don't think I believe anymore means I want to live my life in rebellion. You need to understand this, that lack of, lack of belief is often not lack of belief. It's positive affirmation of wanting to live your lifestyle on, on your own. And this is the thing. You can do that, but it doesn't really work out right? The Bible is full of people for whom that didn't work out. Life is full of people for whom that didn't work out. And you can have doubts, and you're going to have moments, but I would encourage you with with this. At the heart of the gospel is a man. His name is Jesus. He is God in the flesh, and he came to rescue sinners like you and like me. When I am to be a witness, if there's anything that is worth dying for, it's that. That Jesus knows me, that he loves me, and that he saved me. And in his graceful goodness, he cares for me. And when things are awful and when things are not good, I can run to him. When things are broken, he's a healer. When things seem destroyed, he puts it back together. When the storm rages, he is in the storm. It, it, Jesus is, 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 is with us consistently. This, this, this is what we're to be a witness to. The goodness of a great God who's amazing and who's exemplified in the person of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. But you will receive power when the Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Who's Jesus? When in doubt, tell people about Jesus. When you don't know what to say, tell them about Jesus. When you're not sure what, 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 what word comes next, John three sixteen is beautiful. God loved the world so much. And he loves the person you're talking to. So that if the person you're talking to will believe, Jesus will save them and they'll have eternal life. But speak words of truth into their into their life. Be his witnesses. Grow deeper into Jesus so you can speak clearly and say, I know Jesus and you need to know him too. But you receive power and the Holy Spirit has come and you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Here's... Here's what's happening. Jesus is talking to his disciples in Jerusalem. They're, they're centralized. So he's talking to them and he says, you're going to start here. You're going to start here and you're going to tell people about Jesus here. And then you're going to, as you go from here, you're going to get into Judea. It's a little further out. And you're going to tell people about, about me there. You're going to be my witnesses there. And then you're going to go a little further out and you're going to get into Samaria. And you're going to tell people about me there. And then even after you go that, you're going to go all the way to the ends of the earth. You're going to go every place and you're going to tell people about me. So it's, it's, it's increasing distance and cultural rings. Jerusalem's their home culture. Judea's slightly different. Samaria is an ethnically mixed, ethnically diverse from them place. It has some of their, some of their backgrounds, but it doesn't culturally mix. And then the ends of the earth are completely different. There's kind of this mix, in, they're, they're this movement geographically and culturally away, away from themselves. The interesting thing We'll come back to that. I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this. So, I don't think they, they were called to be vocational uh, apostles, vocational missionaries. He's sending them them physically. Not all of you are called to be vocational missionaries. But I do think that in all of your life, there exists a Jerusalem, a Judea, Samaria, and ends of the earth. It does. So, Jerusalem, I would start there. Jerusalem is your, is your home. Jerusalem is your home and the place you go to. It's in your family. Are there people in your family who need to hear the gospel? If you're a parent, the answer is yes. If you're a spouse, the answer is yes. If you're a person who lives in a home by yourself, I would say the answer is still yes. Preach the gospel to yourself daily. Right, But we start in Jerusalem, we start with the the family, we start with those closest to us. Who do you know in your family line? Who do you know that is closest to you that needs to hear the good news of Jesus? And they need to hear it often and they need to hear it regularly. Share Jesus with them there. Then Judea is a little further out. This might be getting into your friend network. These are people you're friends with, but they're not from your family, so they might not have exactly the same culture, but they might be culturally similar. That's your Judea. Are your friends hearing you regularly say, Hey, I know this guy, his name's Jesus, and he can change your life. It's difficult. We talked about this last week. The friend network is, is difficult because it requires holiness to be on mission. And if you're not being holy around your friends, you can't speak into the life of, your, life of your friends. You can't say, follow a Jesus that I'm not interested in following, right? So is your holiness being reflected, but are you telling your friends, Samaria gets a little further. This might get into your, into your neighborhood connections, into your community connections. To the people you see in the PTO, this might get into your job connections. To the people you see at work, right? You should be passionate about sharing Christ with them as well. And then the ends of the earth is, is your support for mission around the world. So we can't all go But we can all be supportive. We can pray for missionaries. We can get uh, Josh Grimaldi left us uh, prayer guides for the Assam people. We can take the prayer guide and we can pray for it regularly. We can give to it financially. We can support Josh and Mindy and other missionaries to the ends of the earth so that God might be known to the ends of the earth so Jesus might be proclaimed there. It it moves out like that. And so then I would just close with this idea. I want to remind you uh, of this. Jesus says to his disciples... You will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. You're going to receive power and the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And the disciples go absolutely no place. This does not start to happen until God brings a persecution upon them and the diaspora happens. They're running. And as they run away from where where they are, they start to share the gospel clearly. They start to share the gospel in power. And as they're running. So it takes a diaspora to get them moving. I would suggest to you... It takes a breaking out of a persecution to get the move. I would suggest to us that a better idea is to just be obedient to not wait for God to have to break you, to not wait for God to have to push you, to not wait for God to have to bring persecution upon you, to unsettle you enough to get up and to speak the truth that you are called to speak of. If you are in a situation where God is calling you to speak the truth of the gospel and you are refusing to do it because of popularity, because of fear, because you say it's not your personality for any other of the millions of excuses you might have for not speaking the truth of the gospel to a person who needs to hear it, may God Convict you. May God deal with you. And if that doesn't work, may God persecute you until you get up and speak the truth because Jesus is worthy to be spoken of. I am his witness because he is so great. He is so good. He is so amazing. I know that I know that I know that I know him. And if you know Jesus, may God deal with you if you will not speak his name. But there's people who need to know, there's people in your life who need to hear. May you not hold back from the good news of this good king but may you proclaim it loudly and lovingly seasoned with salt spoken gracefully never in anger never because you think you're going to win an argument never because you want to prove yourself right but only because you've been a good Jesus who's dealt with you lovingly and you want your friends your family your neighbors and the ends of the earth to know as great of a God who could save someone like me and like you can save them.